All right. We are running it back with Bill O'Heron. Bill was on our podcast two years ago at this point. This yeah. was mid-COVID. Mm-hmm. We got introduced through an agency, I believe. And that was yep. one of my favorite podcasts. Like it, like it lingered for so long. One, because Bill has like one of the most unique voices ever. I love, I, like, <laughs> we listened to our podcast and it was like this awesome deep late night video, uh, DJ FM type radio voice. It was awesome. And then two, just like the, the message the, there was the kitchen table meditation. And for those of you that don't understand what I'm talking about, please go back and listen to our initial podcast. You inspire me to read the book, the way of the superior man. That was a life changing book. So really, really awesome you know, conversation. I'm really excited to just kind of get an update on where you're at. Appreciate you coming on. So did you actually turn the pages of Spirit Man, the book, David Deddy? Oh, absolutely. What a great book. I got to get back into it again. I got to read it again. Amazing book. So great stuff, guys. I can't tell you how much I enjoy not just having these conversations, but I'm just going to say having conversation with young men. I'm 58. So everybody's younger than me, like you guys that get it. And there's a lot to those two words, getting it, that are thoughtful, that are sincere, that are driven, that can do both the yin and the yang, understand the EQ, understand the IQ. Like, that's what life's about. That is my, you know, that's really our mission and what we're doing. You know, we wrote the book and and we're actually, you know, pretty aggressively going after building these education models, modules that are based on the whole person. So it's going to involve meditation. It's going to involve exercise. It's going to involve real hardcore curriculum and papers and theses and tests. And it's also involved therapy. So what have I been up to since we last spoke? You know, I have my day job, which is I raise money for a private equity firm for family office. I love the challenge of building relationships. So I believe we're trying to raise, you know, 50, $60 million, $70 million over the next 12 plus months. I believe that, and this is all going to tie together. I believe that 30 to 40% of my clients that will be in that fund, I haven't met yet today. I haven't met him yet today. So any minute that I'm not on the phone or reaching out or trying to develop a new relationship, cold call, I'm 58. I still cold call. You know, part of me is like, why am I still doing it 58? But it's part of like, as humans, we're, we're either creating or we're not, or, or we're withering. And that's especially common in the feminine. If the feminine energy is not creating, they're judging and criticizing. So the, the model that you guys, the way you guys look at the world, right? consistent building something, you know, small steps. That's really what I try to do in everything. I try to run every single day, whether it's 35 minutes or I'm up to an hour and a half. Sometimes I'm only doing it not for today. I'm doing it because I can do it. And therefore I'm able to do it. I'm trying to build on this will be good for me five months from now. If I run today, I get 40 minutes of cardio in today. And so, you know, I'm an incremental I look at the world incrementally, I look at my life incrementally. Like I want to live another 30 years well. I want to leave nothing. My mission is to leave nothing left undone, untouched, unfelt, unvulnerabilized, unopened, unexposed, and undone. Mm. When I with when I'm gone at 89 or whatever that is, God, I hope I can make it for another 30 years. But if I can't, I want to live well and hard and consistently and 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 vulnerably and open and passionately today. So my day job's good. My, I got my, my side gig, which is my counseling gig. I've, been, I've had my license for 16 years. I do a lot of couples work. I work with a lot of young, three of my clients right now are 32-year-old young man, 37-year-old young man, uh, 29-year-old young man. I just love it. You guys are built differently. You understand the world differently than I did at your age. So I don't know. I'm like this 
crazy, disillusioned optimist. Not that I don't get into my dark moments, but I look at the craziness and the friction and AI and all this, all the people talk about all the crazy stuff out there. If I understand my own vulnerability, nothing should get in the way of me just getting on with my day. I'll stop there and pause, but I just thank you guys. Thank you for letting me waffle on, as my wife says. Of course. I mean, I was just listening to our podcast this past week just to get a recap of everything. And I remember you saying a couple of years ago how you were still cold calling and you love it and you don't see yourself ever doing it. That was going to be my first question. I was like, hey, Bill, you still cold calling? Like, and and if Bill is cold calling at 58 for a reason that he, he probably doesn't even have to at this point, but he's doing it <laughs> to continue to build the muscle and continue to stay successful. What is your reason to not cold call, right? Or what is your reason to not pick up the phone? It's, it's crazy that, that people try and find every single excuse to take the easier path. It, tell us, you so nailed like, it. Sorry, go ahead. You nailed it. You, you just nailed it, Antonio, because there's so many other things we'd all like to do than expose ourselves, be vulnerable over the phone, right? Think of like, you know, would you rather like kind of juggle with knives? Yeah, probably, right? Because all, all that could happen would be physically it would hurt a little bit, right? Do you want to go run a half marathon right now or a quarter marathon, you know, 5K? Yeah, it's going to be better than calling somebody in Illinois, no offense to Illinois, and have them <laughs> completely dislike you, right? Who does that? And, you know, do I literally just literally got out of an interview or interviewing for the next sales role and, and, you know, my angst and my joy, my celebratory muscle set is the person I'm interviewing. They're like, yeah, I have no problem doing 50 or 60 calls a day. There's other ways to, to market, but, but calls are good too. And I'm thinking the only thing that matters is phone calls, but I'm also changing my paradigm a little bit where there are other avenues because there is, you know, the internet wasn't even around when we were first cold calling in the eighties early 90s. So do I have to do it? I could probably get away with not, but I don't know, man. I, I really feel like exposing ourselves to our own vulnerability by putting ourselves out into the world is the greatest muscle set that we can work on. Because really, ultimately, in the end, the only way you know who you are is when you're when you're being challenged by who you are. And I have three daughters, all in their early 20s, amazing young women, and they used to think I'm crazy. I'd be like, pick up the phone. Do not text your friend. I want to know what time she's coming by. When she, my kids were 12 and 13, 14, 15, 16, like, when's your friend coming by? Call them. Oh, no, no, dad. We text them. No, call them. And they get it now. Like, they pick up the phone and call me. And, and this, again, it's a muscle set. It's being willing. Here's the thing. Here's, here's my take, and I'm not saying it's right. The only way I can know you guys better I understand my own sadness, joy, compassion, grief, resentment. And the only way other people's anger, frustration, resentment doesn't bother me as much is if I know my own stuff so well, I'll be like, ah, oh, there's that guy's fifth grade self who just cut me off. It's not to say I don't get angry and get pissed off a lot, but I'm really getting better and better at understanding other people's stuff. But you can only understand, I can only understand your stuff, Antonio, if I know my stuff. And if I feel like I know my stuff a lot, I don't. I'm at it 27 years. I've been meditating since March of 1996. I'm over 11,000 hours. I've done a lot of inner child work. Inner child work is the most powerful work you can do. I'm back doing inner child work now, today. Inner 14-year-old work. Like I thought I'd been through that. And you know how no, there's more vulnerability to expose? Make some cold calls. Let somebody trigger you. Let somebody trigger you right now. Mm. Right? That's what mm. building a muscle set around relationships and understanding self is all about. And that's what life right. is. Right. And I feel so, last thing too, last thing too is I feel like I'm mad, like 
hiring somebody, I'm, I'm about to get married to that person. I'm married to my wife. The actual marital bond is with my wife, but I'm married to my boss who writes my checks. If the three of us build a relationship going forward, we have some kind of marital exchange where we're, we're kind of relying on each other, hope we don't get blown off, all that kind of stuff. So I take relationship building as the most important thing in life. Harvard proved it with a grant study. So I just think it's important to know oneself. It's powerful, man. It's powerful. For just to back up a little bit, and I don't, you know, don't spend a crazy amount of time explaining it, but just for the listeners that hear the word private equity and go, what the hell is that? Would you mind kind of just giving them a little background on the industry that yeah. you're in, in that space? And then what some of the, you know, from a sales perspective, what some of the language looks like and what some of the goals are on those conversations that you're having with folks? Great question. Yeah. So private equity is this, we look at it as this shiny, really sexy asset class. It's, it's not. There's two ways to run a business and there's two ways to put your business out into the world. You build a business and then you list it on some kind of an exchange where it's publicly traded. So public equities, Microsoft, Apple, great models. Those were private companies until they went public. And there's, there's, I believe there's 8,000 publicly traded companies in the United States. And I believe there's 20 million private companies. The world's built on private companies. Again, we think of like the trillion dollar market cap or whatever of Apple, like, oh my God, there's that, that's such an amazing company. It's a phenomenal company. But do you know how many companies that, how many small companies that are making more money than Apple that are, you know, doing dry cleaning and doing, you know, real estate companies, whatever they might be, amazing that you never heard about. So all private equity is, is investing in companies that aren't listed. That's literally from the highest level. And so we happen to traffic and then we invest in real estate, but we don't buy the real estate directly. We buy the note. We buy the first lien note. So every piece of real estate you see around here has some kind of debt on it. And so what we do is borrowers get, get underwater. They owe too much, happens all the time. And this is a really interesting time because rates have moved higher. So what we're trying to do is buy the note on a piece of commercial real estate. And then we go and then we foreclose. We take it through the core process. So the conversations we're having with people are, you should absolutely be investing in, pick a stock, pick a name, pick the index. You know, if you have, if you have a dollar to invest, you should probably invest half of it in listed safe, safe equity, not safe, seems safe, down 20% last year. And so put a certain amount of your capital in listed stuff. You can see, you can get in and out. It's liquid. You can get in and out of it. You can get out of it tomorrow, the whole thing. Private, potentially make more money the only, the risk is you're locked up you can't necessarily get out of it and that's the challenge that some people have with private equity private means it stays in an illiquid form for longer so the conversations are we think we can folks like us private equity guys can make some decent money it's going to take a little bit more time you can't get your money out like microsoft you give it out tomorrow you can't get it out and so as long as you're comfortable with the strategy comfortable with the manager it all comes down to the manager if you're comfortable with the strategy, comfortable with the manager, you should definitely be investing. You know, typically it's like 10 to 15% of any big, smart, thoughtful investor is putting that in private equity. Give you an example. The model came out of Yale about 35, 40 years ago. 35 years ago, the gentleman, I forget his last name, his name is David. He kind of put the model of the endowments, huge endowments, the Harvards, the Yales. I think between the two of them, they've got, I don't know, 200 billion, 300 billion. 20 to 30% of their portfolios are in private equity, not listed private, private real estate, private debt, private credit, because you can get better outsized returns. So the conversations are, it's really understanding risk and it's understanding 
um, how you want to measure risk and how you understand risk in, in, in the private equity world. Sure. And it is a high performance job. It is definitely fast paced in a lot of, in a lot of work, in a lot of ways in that, in that space. How are you able to run both operations? Cause I know you said you have a side gig, but it seems like it's a little bit more of a side gig at this point. And it's an extreme. <laughs> it's you know, my love connected was yeah. more on the, the other side of what you're doing on the therapy yeah. side and all these yeah. different types of, you know, mental health work. Tell us a little yeah. bit more about that. So I look at, and this has been my, my crazy mantra is sales and counseling are the exact same thing. I'm trying to build a relationship with you guys. For instance, when it comes to counseling, I'm trying to build a relationship where the person on the other side of the, on the couch or on the side of zoom is they have to understand me. They have to trust me that I can hold space and that if they're going to talk about some really crazy, sad, wonderful, you know, familial things, things that went on in their lives that are created this emotional reactive body that I can at least be there for them in that space along for the ride. Tears, sadness, anger, frustration. It's really the same thing in any relationship building skill. That's all we're doing. It sounds like it's, you know, capital markets, private equity, you know, debt, foreclosure. It all sounds really sexy. And it's some interesting stuff. I love it. I love that. But I love the behavioral aspect. I'm in it for the behavioral. You know, we used to call it the hardest way to make an easy living. I, you know, I could, I could build relationships in, in kind of any capital market space or in any kind of fundraising. I could go out and raise money for my old college, whatever that might be. There's something money seems to supercharge people's emotions, supercharge behavior and supercharge dysfunction, which means there's opportunity. And I see that opportunity in my counseling gig. I just, if I can hold space for somebody and they can get one aha, the fact that you read even the first 10 pages of The Way to Superior Man, that makes my day. And I'm not just saying that, that makes my week and that could possibly make my month because I want to be a conduit for growth. That's it. And I can be a conduit for growth and understanding and insight ahas on my side gig, which I love. And I pretty much, and I can say this publicly, I would quit everything if I could do that full time and make the same kind of money. I simply can't right now. Maybe I just don't have it. I haven't figured it out. But if I can, if I can build relationships using the similar muscle set in the private equity world, it's fun too, because I can watch joy, compassion, sorrow, dysfunction in that space. Just like in this space, it's a little bit different. I'm not going to talk to a billion dollar family office about his feelings unless he wants to. And I'm telling you, it comes up. And I'm ready to hold that space really nice. And I think that's why we've done pretty well over the last couple of years is because you can throw a lot at us and we kind of understand it because of what we do on the weekends at night in terms of our counseling. And it's all work on self. So I wish I was working on my clients, my counseling clients. I'm working on Bill in every discussion. Right now, I'm working on me. It might look like that we're in great dialogue, but I'm really trying to understand who I am in every freaking moment. Who am I in front of young, smart driven young men like you. I don't know. You know, and I, I, I'm, you know, I hope I can add value to the world, but I'll only know. And listen, I'll, like I can feel that I, I can tear up just feeling like, how do I act in life? How do I, act? how do I be, how do I let you guys know that you're heard and felt and sensed and known? Right. Cause it, it, when a human being feels felt and known, God forbid loved, that softens everything. Everything slows down. There isn't the craziness, you know, in the political arena if all that started to happen. So a little bit of a tangent, but I, I, I just enjoy the opportunity 
to put myself at risk to understand someone else and build something that wasn't there today. You mentioned the inner child work, and that's something we talked about a couple years ago on the podcast, but I, I'd love for you to dive into that a little bit and what that looks like, you know, just with your with your clients, with yourself, just what, what we can all do to really tap into that inner child and, and, and that practice. Landon, that is, thank you for asking that. There is, so I've been at this a long time, right? 27 years, trying to figure out who I am take away every book, every modality, just put it into the back shelf. There's only one modality that gets you to the core of who you are and how you feel. And that is understanding your fourth grade self, right? If I get you guys to close your eyes and go back to fourth grade, and I'm going to, I'll answer your question. Go back to fourth grade, close your eyes, feel, relax. Now you're in fourth grade class. Who's your teacher? What are you wearing? Great. How do you feel? Oh, I feel great. Well, how do you feel about your family? Oh, I'm a little bit nervous because dad's not around a lot and mom's kind of angry and sad. All those deep emotions are built in to who you are, no matter what age you are, whether you're 25, 45, 58, that reactive body was built from zero to 10 years old. And that's what's driving your reactive body in your adult life. It's driving your desires and it's created your beliefs. Pretty much 80% of how you feel, if not 90% of who you are on the inside, the constitution of your psycho-emotional self, your desire self, what you want, what you hate, was built by the time you were in fifth grade. I'll give you an example. I didn't realize how frustrated I was with women until I got into my late 20s, early 30s and started doing therapy. My mom browbeat my dad. They're still together. My 91-year-old dad spoke to him yesterday. My 88-year-old mom still in the same town, 60 years amazing people. I love them. But my 14-year-old self was so angry with my mom. And that frustration was just starting to come out in my 30s. And I still have it in my 50, I'm 58. So that's inner child. That's a 14-year-old reactive body that's still loudly living through me. So it's the most powerful exercise. And, and at one point, you know, we could even do a very simple exercise, eight, ten, you know, seven, eight, nine minutes where you close your eyes, you go back, and every single one of my counseling sessions begins with, with about five or six minutes. And it all we instantly we close our eyes and go, how do you feel? Oh, I feel great. Great. What else do you feel? I feel frustrated. Boom. Eyes are closed. Mr. Smith, you feel frustrated? Great. When was the first time you ever felt frustrated? Fifth grade. What happened? My grandfather died and blah, 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 blah. Boom. We go right back to that moment. That moment of deep sadness, frustration has not left the limbic system. It's built into the limbic. But through awareness, now bringing the adult sensibility back to that fifth grader sadness that couldn't be actualized, that couldn't be vocalized, was afraid, you know, dad was a little crazy, grandmother drank, whatever it is, the story. But it's an important story. And our adult self, here's the key, guys. Our rational self, our neocortex, youngest part of the body, it's only two million years old, whereas our lim limbic and reptilian part of our brain are ancient. The rational self does not want to feel the old emotions. That's the problem in the world. Our rational self, your rational self, Antonio, it's like, no, 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 I'd rather just fix this, move on, I'll go exercise, blah, blah, blah. We do all these things to avoid what? That old sense of joy, sadness, compassion, resentment, frustration. And it's the emotions, 40,000 brain neurons in the heart, 40,000 brain neurons in your heart are feeling that sadness and frustration. And our mind is going, nope, don't want it. And there's a central spot 
in our brain called the reticular activating system, which is the traffic cop, not letting that up. As soon as you relax, we go to that fifth grade self, kitchen table meditation, go right in, won't, tears. I cry almost every day because my limbic system is so open that you feel the Buddha says a butterfly lands on a flower and you tear up from joy and compassion at the sweetness of it. Now, the warrior masculine part of us is like, dude, what's, what's your problem? Like, buck up. But that beautiful knowledge-seeking intuitive self is like, we're all one. We're all tied together. We all feel three major emotions, joy, sadness, compassion, joy, sadness, compassion. Tap into those. And the way to start is through the inner, the inner younger parts. How long and how often do we need to be practicing this to start really seeing some results? Wow. And you guys are spot spot on. You'd be shocked at what happens when you break through that first layer. So much can so much can come up that that you almost have to pull back a little bit and integrate it. And I know that sounds like really technical or you know not medicinal, clinical. But you'd be shocked at when you reconnect with your fourth grade self, and you're like, okay, that wasn't real. That was just an illusion. But I just felt something. I don't know why I teared up about an old memory from an old girlfriend that I haven't thought about in 10 years like that that can't be productive oh no that is the most productive thing you can do and you kind of stay with it and then you let it go and what happens is you know oop i gotta do some more it's almost like that intuitive part that emotional part knows there's a bit more to do again i was doing it big time at so called 25 years ago so i was yeah 32 33 34 i could tell you some crazy stories about my inner 14 year old that in my dreams was suicidal i went back into that dream my 37 year old self dialogued with my 14 year old self and my 14 year old self said unless you start changing your life literally i could tell you the date it was june of 2001 that was 22 years ago unless you start changing and start doing some work with youth i'm out this is my inner self in a dream Next day, I signed up for a class at Southern Connecticut State University, a one-month class of social work. And I'm like, that changed my life. Boom. That was, that was literally three hours of inner child work. How often to come back for it? Great question. Don't actually have the perfect answer. You just know when you start doing it. What are some things that we can do immediately? I know that there's the, the kitchen table meditation. Mm. Walk us through some really small, like we're all about the micro, and we're, we're going to ask you a little bit about what the consistency side of things means to you because I think yep. the last time we had you on our podcast, we we were the Learn Lead podcast. That was the name, and now it's the Consistency uh, Wins podcast. Got it. So we're got it. we're all about you know looking at this overarching daunting goal and trying to dial it down to these micro little habits. What are Perfect. what are some practices that we can start? Let's say a lot of our listeners are in their twenties or early thirties. What are some things they could take away today? Couple things that they can actually actionably do. Love it. So. My non-negotiable is this, and I'm writing down some names. Phil Jackson, 11 times national champion, national, uh, won an NBA championship as a coach, right? Mike, Michael Jordan. I think people have heard of Michael Jordan. Shaq, Kobe, Seinfeld. Anybody heard of Steve Jobs? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Steve Jobs had a book. I got to tell you this. Steve Jobs, I'm going to get meditation. And I don't mean meditation like home. Oh, I mean just sitting with your back straight and your eyes closed is the most important thing. It's non-negotiable. Anybody that spends any time with me, it has to be done. So Steve Jobs had one book next to his bed his entire life. He read it once a year. It's called The Autobiography of a Yogi. Okay. Steve Jobs meditated every single day. He was meditating before. It was like he was meditating in the late 60s or the 70s. 
changed his life. Steve Jobs died at his funeral in 2016, 2015, 500 people at his funeral. When people walked out, they got a box, a wooden box, a beautiful wooden box. What was inside that box? That book. Autobiography, autobiography of a yogi. That book, basically, if you summarize that book that was written in 1947, is meditation is the only way to know oneself. So, so the small step you can take, and I said Phil Jackson, Shaq, Michael Jordan, Jerry Seinfeld. Phil Jackson's non-negotiable players, they had to meditate. They did, they did separate meditation. They did group meditation. Changed their lives. Michael Jordan, read the quotes about him. Read it like, all these guys, like, meditation, do that. Changed everything. Why? Because you're tuning in. You're tuning into your emotive self. Therefore, you're going to tune into the ref's emotive self, the other player's emotive self, the coach's emotive self. The universe is based on emotions, feelings, not thought. The most important step that any listener can take, any human being can take, is not 10 minutes sitting quietly. Is at least 15 minutes of sitting like this. This is this is this is called sitting quietly meditation. Your, your back is square and soft, your spine is, is straight and soft, and you close your eyes, you just listen. Because it takes 10 minutes for your neocortex, that rational part that doesn't want to feel, takes 10 minutes for it to slow down. And when it starts to slow down, your parasympathetic system kicks in, which is the good hormones, serotonin, melatonin, reduces the cortisol, the hormone that's creating stress. You start to reduce that. Now you can tap in. Now you're like, where do we go? So the non-negotiable is, I'll say, I'll give it away. I'll give it at 15 minutes a day, but it really should be 30 minutes a day. And it should be in the morning and ideally at night. So you should be doing it twice a day. And I can't tell you how many people are like, I can't do it. There's no way I can sit. How could I possibly sit? I just had this conversation with my really good friend's daughter three days ago. I think she's 27, 26. I can't do it. I'm like, you have to. How can you not sit quietly with your back straight and just close your eyes? She's like, well, I, I really don't really want to kind of, tune, tune. I really don't want to be in my own thoughts. Okay. We'll just have to come back. That's number one. Number two, and I know you guys know this, we have to be exercising. So much research. I just sent an I just sent an article out how exercise changes our DNA. We have to do 35 minutes, four to five times a week of relatively rigorous. They say you need to be doing 35 minutes of and 80% of that 35 minutes needs to be some kind of rigorous exercise where it would be difficult to talk to your friend while you're doing it. So walking a dog is fantastic. Trust me, all you can do is walk your dog, do it. But if you have a body and a temperament to, for growth, 35 minutes minimum, at least four days a week of some kind of rigor. You do those two things, you're now, you're now, we have to get our bodies, our mind in a position of receiving. We have to be in a position of receiving. So when you're closing your eyes, I'm now in a state of receiving. I'm open, I'm activated. Eyes closed, automatically your pineal gland, the pituitary gland, they start secreting serotonin and melatonin. Two minutes of eyes closed, you're already getting the relaxation hormones coming into your body. State of receiving. What are you receiving? Information. An old memory. That old memory's here to teach you something. It was here to teach you something. We're only on earth to take in information, to take everything from our non-physical self, our emotive self, our limbic right brain, and put it into the left brain 3D plane. That's why we are here. We are transducers. We are the creative process is taking your emotional self, Antonio, your feelings, your longing, your joy and compassion, and somehow putting it out into the world and learning why you do that 
And the world and the universe is benefiting from your learning because you're putting that knowledge literally into earth and you're putting into other people, whether you know it or not, because this is all just a feel. So Landon's ability to, to emote and share a feeling today with a friend that he hadn't done before softens the plane, softens literally the field of experience in that moment. And that impacts the rest of the field of experience around him, whether he knows it or not. And exercise and meditation are the first pathways to feeling soft enough and open enough to be vulnerable enough. And growth only happens through vulnerability. When's the last time you were in a super great mood and you reached out and you cathartic and you learned? When in a good mood, it's good and you can share space. Don't get me wrong. You share space and you're, you're putting out all the good stuff you've collected and then you get into that heavy mode. When you get to that heavy, cathartic space where you remember something, you learn and grow from that. And now you're ready to put that into the world somebody else can go oh landon shared that he was sad when his blah 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 died and now i get it he's able to hold space for me you're like that's what life's about sharing that experience robert monroe amazing one last thing i'll say and i probably said in the last podcast there's an institute down in virginia you can go there today it's called the monroe institute founded in the 80s i believe it's his daughter that's that's running it robert monroe wrote three books far journey ultimate journey best book ultimate journey he spent his whole life studying out-of-body experiences. He was having out-of-body experiences entirely. He was a super successful businessman. And the books are absolutely amazing. They summarize the human experience. And he says, all we take with us are shared experiences. All we take with you, if it all ended tomorrow, what we take with us in this moment right now, something shared, a shared moment, and that's what you're going to remember. You're not going to remember the paintings and the cars and the cash and the Apple stock. When you're, when you're wrapping all this stuff up into your next karmic motion, it's what did I share? Did I give enough? Any moment, did I give enough? Or did I hold back? Why did I hold back right now? I was afraid. I wasn't good enough. My dad used to browbeat me. So the world's going to browbeat me. So I hold back. That's holding back. But if, if, if you guys, if we want a rich shared moment, we got to get vulnerable. We got to get open. We got to challenge each other and we got to embrace each other. I think. One of those moments for me happened yesterday and I was, you know, you kind of opened the door for me to mention it a little bit, which was I, for the first time, took mushrooms, psilocybin mushrooms. Love uh, it. Awesome. And Antonio and you were talking about this on the last podcast and I was, I hadn't experienced it till literally, ironically, the day before this interaction. And, and it wasn't planned. It Plan. just, it happened that way. And the amount of life-changing experience that I had after on the other side of everything, the perspective of how at any moment, all of the, the, the skills and the treasures that we are blessed with and, and grow can be taken away at any moment. At least for me, that was my revelation of just appreciating the, the, what I have and the gratefulness and the humbleness of, of just life. And, mm. you know, it was really, it really blew my mind. It really did change me. And I almost feel reborn from it to some level. So, so amazing. So do you feel like you came into that experience where there was a part of you that really knew it wanted, there were things, teeny little doors to open that you hadn't. And that was a great resource to just blow through the doors. Do you feel like that was kind of building up? Yeah, it, for, for sure. And, and the big thing for me is I think, and this is a big issue for a lot of people and they're in their twenties, thirties and beyond really is, is alcohol consumption. And for me, I've been using alcohol as a tool to avoid my, my natural state. Right. And 
you know, the basically throughout the journey, I, I was, you know, I don't want to say talking to somebody, but something was speaking to me and it was yep. saying, maybe it was God, maybe it was subconscious, whatever it was, was saying, hey, like, you're spending all this time to escape your natural reality, your natural being, which is who you are. And at any moment, I could take all that away if you keep abusing and over abusing these, these substances to avoid your natural state. Right. And, and so just really appreciating the present, really appreciating just the consciousness of being, you know, unaltered in a mm -hmm. way and, and not chasing that state change constantly, I think is something I really valued and appreciated. And I said, you know, Hey, if I'm able to get out of this situation, if I'm able to get out of this and be given back my, my high levels of consciousness and not feel, you know, completely mixed around and, and mushed up in the brain, I, I will cherish those that, mm. that way more. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that was my experience. And on the other side of it was life-changing. You guys both on this podcast had a big brought to play and me being open to, to try that to begin with. So I thank phenomenal. you both. Phenomenal. Love you. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so many things I'd love to say, but the fact is that voice is you. As, as one of the great thinkers likes to say, our ancestors are us, right? Our ancestors from a thousand years ago, they're no longer physical, but if we're bloodline from them, they sent all their electrons, their molecules down the line. And so you're collecting, and, and I think those mushroom-like experiences, those, those kind of opening experiences, you're realizing this is a really multi-layered thing. This thing called Landon is embodied in a kind of a singular form on this 3D plane but we're really kind of layers and all those layers are really layers of self. You can put God, you can do a furry beard, God guy or whatever. You can, doesn't matter what you label it. It is you. And when you really start to get quiet, which is really what the psilocybin was, was allowing yourself to get really quiet, the rational mind quiet, those layers wake up. Mm. And that those now, if you can behave, which you will, you'll behave and you'll, you'll be your reactive body will have more information from sources that it didn't have yesterday from a higher self. 100%. Now, sometimes that higher self's like your crazy, you know, 16 year old self, which just drops in like, oh, you're an idiot. You're a jerk. Oh, that's your dad's voice. Oh, that's my grandfather's voice. That like, you're not good enough voice in me. My grandfather lost all his money in the 1929 crash. He's still living through my dad. And my dad, who's been my hero and also my, my arch, not not enemy. He's a great guy, but he's just not awake really a, a lot on many levels, powerfully awakened others. But that I'm not good enough. I'm less than voice still lives. Mm. I can do all the mushrooms in the world. I just have to understand that that is an echo that eventually gets cleaned up. Hopefully in this lifetime, it's mostly cleaned up. But the fact I'm bringing it up means it's still there. And so you're just you you you've now just you've now entered. A one-on-one economic, you left the one-on-one economics class, so to speak, and now you're in the 403 life class, the PhD in life. Mm. And like, why do I drink? What am I trying not to feel? Why do I smoke? Why do I run? Why do I masturbate? Why do I do all these things? Now we are mammals. So we're going to do those things. And it's finding the balance, you know? So I, there's a, enough, phenomenal. There's a really good book fictional book, but it's also based on a lot of these principles is called the Celestine prophecy, oh, which is like phenomenal super, book, super phenomenal book. book. That's so and funny. It, Nobody brings that up. Antonio, that's like, it's as if you're like 50 years old because that book was big in the early nineties. Wow. 
Yeah, I mean yeah. it's it's awesome. And then it goes into the the sequels, the eleventh insight, which talks a lot more deeply into the concept that you were just talking about, about the ancestors, mm. about how they shape our worldview and all those different types of things. On that note, terrible name for a book, phenomenal, because I think they made a movie out of it. It's called The Mutant Message Down Under. It's fictional, but it's a woman that somehow her car breaks down in the middle of the outback. And I think some of it's based on truth. And she ends up hanging out with the aboriginals that saved her life. So it's a quick read. I read it in 94, 95, or 96. And it's one that doesn't get enough fanfare. And it's definitely worth taking a look at and buy it for free. You have, you have failed to disappoint on book recommendations. This far. <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely take the word off. Well, I mean, we can, we can do this for hours. I know. I know. I love this. Stuff. We are, you know, we're already 10 minutes over what we usually a lot. No way. And I appreciate oh you just so sorry. such great energy to this and, and amazing pour into us all the time. And I know, like, I get excited because you're so excited to talk about this. And like, this isn't even your primary income source in terms of like <laughs> what you're like, what you do professionally, quote unquote. Right. But this is like your life's purpose. And so thank you so much for just taking the time to pour into us, man. It's, it's really so, special. Thank you. I really respect it. Let me, I just want to say this on the record. Whatever you guys are doing, just keep doing it. The world bloody needs it. It needs it. Like, just keep doing it, man. Seriously. Appreciate you, Mark. Don't, Appreciate don't you. stop. We won't. Consistency. Thanks, guys. Brother. Appreciate it. See, yeah. I'm tearing up. There it is. Friday afternoon, I'm tearing up. Shocker. That's what I do. Thank you. <laughs> how, how can our how can our listeners connect with you? What's the what's the call yeah. to action here? How can they connect and right. how can they obtain your resources? <laughs> so if you go on wholecounseling.com, so instead of whole foods, it's whole counseling. That was kind of the raison d'etre behind that one silly moment seven years ago. That's got a bunch of stuff there. That's pretty much got, it's got everything there. It's not a great site. It certainly needs to be updated, but that's got all my information. It's got some of the podcasts, some of the videos. A lot of my my research, we did we've done so much bloody research on the science behind why closing your eyes and sitting quietly changes everything. And so I'm always like, I'm like, Missouri, prove it, prove it state, whatever the prove it state is. So there's a ton of decent resources, great resources. I just took them and, you know, put them on there. The whole counseling.com is the best way to find Mm. it. And if, if we have any investors out there to connect with you, what's that whole situation Um, look like? Yeah, great. So our firm is CYGNUS, Cygnus Capital, CYGNUS, Cygnus Capital. Find us online. And our information's all over that. My email, my phone number, it's the same phone number, my 203 number. I'll just, I'll give you my cell, 203-858-1459. God, it feels like I'm cold calling you guys, 203-858-1459. It's just like a muscle set. I say my, my, my cell phone twice and I hang up, but this is great, guys. This, this is, I, I, I gosh, this is great. I'm, it really brings me great joy to share with young men that are super much more conscious than my generation was not even close and it's an honor it's truly an honor appreciate you man we, we feel blessed as well hope you have a great rest of your day thanks guys take care